Hi, I'm Ali, Salon Director at the Head Gardener Hair Salon in Inverness, and I'm delighted to be sponsoring this brilliant new podcast called Lump. It's honest, raw, challenging, funny, and very, very sweary. But let's face it, cancer is a bit bloody sweary. One last thing, make sure you rate, like, and share Lump wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a million, and over to Penny. Mrs. Grumpy Pants. And what do you think about your mum having had cancer? We were staying with my great friend Gilly, sitting in her kitchen cutting up cheese and slices of ripe honeydew melon which Bee kept snaffling. I don't know, no one ever asked me, Bee replies bluntly. I'm appalled. I thought I'd been doing an okay job of being open with Bee, including her in what was happening trying to explain what was going on and why it was such a challenge. And no doubt I was doing a perfectly good job of talking about me and my response to the cancer. But where was my role as parent and listener? She's much grumpier and less fun, said B. I try hard not to flinch. Tears threaten. Your mum's been going through a pretty tough time, said Gilly, the peacemaker, filling my wine glass in subtle solidarity to which B shrugs. I want to speak up and defend myself, say that she's pretty grumpy too, and that I'm only grumpy because she's making life so difficult. All manner of defensive parries and reposts spring to mind, but I swallow them down, bitter as they might taste. B has a point. The issue of my being grumpy and angry worries me. Even if some of it may be understandable, I'm not comfortable with it, and over the next couple of weeks it follows me around. I put the accusation in my pocket where it sits, leaden and hot, regularly burning back into my consciousness. I decide I'm going to make an effort to do better, be better, particularly with B. A month or two later, it's 4am and I'm wandering around the moonlit house, sleepless and searching for my glasses which I've misplaced during yet another row with B, which spiralled out of control the previous evening. The milky light spills through the rooms to soothe the pink and puckered edges of my anger, which lingers still. I pad barefoot out onto the deck and pause in the silence, wondering what to do with myself. I've been dreaming of angry encounters, so heading back to bed feels unappealing, and anyway, the day ahead is empty and weighty, so what harm will less sleep have? As I sit to write, I reach for my phone and become aware of how much my daughter is woven through my life. Passwords, desktop backgrounds, pin codes, all wind their way back to her as the fulcrum of my existence. But with our relationship lurching and capsizing so regularly, I feel off balance, unsteady. Increasingly, I've started to realise off-balance and unsteady is how I'm feeling in general. But when I reach for the tangle of feelings and emotions, I can't quite find an end to let me unpick it back to some source and beginning. There isn't just one thread. There's a mass. One thread 
is my misery over not being able to join David when he goes cycling. I watch him leave with the bike on top of the car, heading in search of friends to ride with, and I ache with want. Let's get a tandem, I messaged him earlier in the week. Yes, he bounces back and starts researching possibilities. But as soon as I've cooked up the idea, I start to unravel it again. It won't fit on the roof of the car. My back won't cope with the position on the tandem any more than it does at present. It will be a laugh, David counters. But I'm suddenly losing confidence again. I'm desperate to inject some of that joy and freedom we shared on the bike back into my life. I miss it. I miss us and what it gave us both. Do you know anyone with a recumbent bike I could borrow? I fire off messages to cycling friends in my next stab at stabilising the situation. Once again, I research possibilities, but initial enthusiasm starts to wane as I slide my finger down over images of trikes on my phone. I don't want to admit it, but the thought of the trike makes me feel disabled, compromised more than I'm prepared to be. I try to rationalise it, to tell myself that surely being out on the bike, any bike, is better than wandering around no man's land crying. But the idea feels heavy and unworkable. I try to tell myself the recumbent bike will be fun, quirky, different. But I limp round to the word disabled once again, and it lodges in my throat. There's a relief when David frowns at the image of my vulnerability in a low-slung, poorly visible recumbent bike. Real or imagined, his discomfort is an easy get-out for me, so I look back round to the start point and settle more heavily into my misery. And does it make me angry that I'm not able to do the things I once did? Furious. There are days when I spit and hiss with frustration. I get it. I hear you, David messages, when I push apologies his way after I've snarled my way into yet another day. But this leaning on David is another of the threads I'm worrying at. I watch him, working hard, burying stress over a seriously ill colleague, pushing himself and the paperwork into more and more of our evenings. And I decide I can't burden him with my quietly blossoming depression. I finally admitted to a friend yesterday that the tangled threads were taking on the shape of something more sinister and frightening. I've realised that too many days see me crying. I know the signs, the waking too early, too often, the permanent exhaustion, the noisy brain. I've been here. 5.20am and I'm still here. I should go and curl myself around David, find some comfort and re-energise before I face the day and the inevitable fallout of yesterday's sparring with B. Even writing it here, bringing it back into my consciousness and I feel the anger flare and lick again. But how do I pick apart what part of that anger is justifiable and how much is just anger born of my own circumstance? I'm like a shaken bottle of fizzy pop itching for someone to dare to twist my lid. I don't recognise myself anymore. I've lost me. I'm buried beneath domestic drudge, parental stumbles, and the inability to get this stupid, ugly, scarred body to do what 
I fucking want. And I'm scared I won't ever get me back. Hi, this is David from The Head Gardener. If you're enjoying Lump Podcasts, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and share it with everyone you know. Because let's face it, cancer affects everyone around us in one way or another. We hope you enjoy listening to Lump as much as we all do. So next time you're in the salon, tell us how much you're loving Lump Podcasts and we'll give you a free gift. Coming up in the next episode. I always feel that you're expected to supply a breezy... I'm fine, really not bad, much better, thanks. But actually, quite a lot of the time I feel frustrated, trapped and pissed off. I usually mutter something about it being a long, slow road, but I'm going in the right direction, which elicits the response, well, you look great. Lump is written and presented by Penny Stewart and produced by Adventurous Audio.